You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health, the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Katie Show. This week I have with me Krista Beegler, who is an award-winning dietitian and nutritionist. She's also the author of the Eczema Relief Diet and Cookbook. And we're going to have a chat about eczema, stress, all things gut health, food sensitivities. I'm really excited to have this chat today because this is a topic you guys are asking me about a lot. It's a really important topic and it's a big job. Thanks for being on the show, Krista. Yeah, we could talk about this for a long time. I think that'll become apparent shortly. <laughs> yes, yes. So as I do in all those shows, can you introduce yourself and let us know, like, how did you get into this? How did you become the expert on eczema? Well, very accidentally, I did not say I want to be to know a lot about eczema. Eczema found me. It was part of I was transitioning from working in conventional care into having my own private practice many years ago. And I will try to be as concise as possible, but I'd always thought that eczema was kind of genetic or normal for me in the winter and that I had dry skin. The end. That's how I viewed it. I did not view it as a big issue. And I was taking my kids to swimming lessons every day one summer. And after the fifth day, I woke up the next morning with a rash all over my eye, my face, my neck. To the point of this is really horrible and disfiguring and painful. And I'd always kind of resonated with like, oh, I have sensitive skin or I have this or that, but nothing horrific that was impacting my life to where I felt I needed to make changes. And this was probably like a, the pool story was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back in my own personal story. There's always that straw that breaks the camel's back. And as horrible as that experience was, I tried to be as thankful as I could because I knew that it would be helpful later. So what happened next, I'd actually, much like my clients, I really struggled to find someone to help me because not a lot of people know a lot about eczema or it's a very generic toolbox of omega-3s and, and whatnot, some of the same things over and over. So it was, it was not a very fun year. I don't believe it needs to take that long to heal something like that, but it was not a very fun year of me kind of trying to self-navigate it and finding lots of people to help in different capacities, but just kind of coming up a little short. So what happened later on was I was actually guest speaking in a child. It was like a ch- eczema clothing company. I was guest speaking in a podcast group probably the next year. And I had some kiddos with eczema that became clients. Not again, because I hung up a flag about it, but just I just talked about the experience of eczema, kind of how I see it present and some different causes. And the rest was kind of history a little bit with that. But I will share that when I was going through some of the pains that I've, you know, kind of put in, I had put in the closet and then revisited recently as I was looking at the needs of the world were that when I had that outbreak, I was also dabbling and experimenting with other integrative modalities, right? Like food sensitivity testing. And so what we tend to want to do is like, let me just try this thing. And what happened was I actually made myself worse through that experience. Unfortunately, I remember specifically being hungry, grabbing a handful of almonds and my eye literally swelling up 
immediately after, which is kind of an, like, I'd never had anything like that before. Never even really thought I had any reactions to food ever before. And so that was kind of an ugly, like rock bottom that happened very early on in that kind of horrible, disfiguring eczema situation. So as you and I were talking off air about why eczema sucks is because it's visual. And so when something becomes you tend to, like you might've had other things going on that don't always make sense at the time, but once it becomes this topical visual thing, it's now much worse. So that's how that happened accidentally. Got it. So what did you end up finding the cause of your eczema? Really, you don't have eczema on your face or your face looks lovely. Yeah, I don't have eczema on my face. It was a lot of things. There was a halogen issue from the chlorine, which actually I did not have to figure that out initially to resolve it. It just in retrospect later on, I realized that that would have been helpful. I was not processing histamine well, which just meant I had a gut and a liver burden issue. Genetically, which I can just tell by looking at my family history, right? Genetically, we have slow liver enzymes. So that means like, I'm not going to process through things. So like, I know this from testing, but I really know it from family history, which I tend to say, look at your family history first, <laughs> above all else. It's going to be the most useful for you. Like you can just make some assumptions based on what your family's aunts and uncles have. So liver support was huge. And and we can talk about how eczema presents in different ways for different people and how quickly it could resolve for you versus someone else. I had what I would like to call the not best version of eczema, which has a couple more layers. So there was definitely some liver support that needed to be done. Infrared sauna was really huge. I had one self-care day a month I allocated. And then I also was doing gut work. So I did that a few different ways for sure. But at the time, very early on, I didn't exactly know what I was doing. So I was fortunate to like find the right combination of things that were supportive. So initially I got myself to a place where I wasn't reacting from food anymore. I calmed my immune system in that way from doing gut work. And then from there, I did some stool testing. I identified some things, but then I also believe that not everything shows up on testing. And so there was certainly enough symptomatic where there was enough symptomatic evidence that it was like fungus and bacterial overgrowth. So I corrected those, which I find now in my clients to be pretty significant for these issues. And it'll present like you can just tell on the skin. And again, we can talk about what that kind of looks like sometimes. Yeah, well, let's dive into that. So tell us about the different types of eczema. What, what are the... So these were types that I came up with accidentally from talking to people, observing my own case and observing their cases. So I would call the first kind or the easiest kind or the most common, especially in children. And usually what will happen is you'll start as this as a child and then you may grow out of it and then you may have it back later in life. So this is the that's the most most common situation. And I would call this inflammatory type or gut mediated type eczema. This looks like raised red rash and darker melanated skin. It actually can look darker and sometimes eczema gets misdiagnosed because of the appearance of darker skin, but it'll look like a raised red rash often inside the elbows, behind the knees, very, very, very common places as children, but it's also very characteristic if the spots are round. So if the spots are round, I 100% believe that it's gut mediated. And that is my very favorite, easiest type of eczema to resolve. And we can talk about some of the problems that happen even when you are working on gut stuff. I always like to use the example of a dandelion. In the gut, we've got these weeds that are You're never going to have a perfect lawn, I don't think, but you can have a more optimal lawn, right? You can have fewer weeds. But if you have lots of dandelions, they steal the the nutrients from the grass and they give off their seeds and those endotoxins need a place to go. And so when you have the predisposition for things to show up on your skin as your mode of detoxification, because we detoxify through our urine, bowels, right? Bile, et cetera, kidneys, liver, skin, and respiration. So if your skin is an opportune place for your body to get rid of garbage and you create more garbage from 
one, what's the dandelions in your gut, but also as you try to move those out, sometimes things will pop up on your skin. So that's the real exciting part about skin is that without that knowledge, sometimes like things can look, I don't like the term things should be worse before they get better. I think it's good for us to try to mitigate that problem and not have that problem, but by the nature of skin and that it's trying to get out, you know, you've got an issue trying to get out of your body you can have things pop up regardless. Now, I will mention that universally, we agree conventionally, integratively, et cetera, that eczema very commonly is a topical staph overgrowth. And so what you see on the inside is internal staph and strep overgrowth. And so actually, fun fact, after someone gets a, you could have a kiddo who is cleared up of his eczema, and then they might get a, a cold or a sinus infection and three weeks later have a flare because that's kind of the like downstream effect and how it'll present on the skin actually. So that is inflammatory or gut mediated. And again, common as children, sometimes you see it as an adult, it can grow into asthma and allergies, the atopic march. You may quote unquote grow out of it, but see like some sporadic pieces of it. Like, I don't know. I'm one of six children. So my mom probably has no idea whether I had eczema as a child. <laughs> I never really did ask her. I just remember having it in high school, right? So I may have had as a child, growing out of it, quote unquote, and then had it present in little patches until it became a fierce problem <laughs> for me because of all of the elements going on in my life. So that's inflammatory eczema. That's the first layer, the easiest layer, I would say. Got it. All right. So what's the next one? So the next one I would call environmental eczema. And this is for the people who resonate with these statements. I have sensitive skin. I'm sensitive to smells. When I touch them, when you say, you know, you have sensitive skin, like maybe products are more irritating sometimes. Smells or fragrances can be more irritating. You have to use really particular kinds of shampoos and, and body products, you know, because you're, you're a bit sensitive to those. So those are kind of like environmental sensitivities. These might be the people who found, you know, this is a subset of eczema. But this might be the people who found that products like SLS, which is sodium lauryl sulfate, which is a detergent emulsifier um, in lots of soaps and things is a real trigger. So these people not only have things going on where there's inflammation potentially in the gut, but they now have a new layer and the liver is not clearing things very expediently. So we kind of already discussed this a little bit, but their toxic burden is just higher or less optimal than someone else's. And it may not show up anywhere on testing. Our testing for this is not really that amazing. Things have to be pretty messed up for blood labs to be out of whack. I'm sure you would agree with that probably too, but yes, I definitely would agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, things are, you're not going to see something and you're not going to die from this right now, right? It's just not working as optimally as it could. And so I gave you the example with my family, you know, there was some skin issues. There's just things that you can see in your family. I have kind of a whole a checklist about this, but those are the things. And then how does it look on your skin? It looks more dry and scaly typically. And Chinese medicine, I've actually really struggled to find a very great reference for this, but it's true every single time for my clients that are around your eyes in traditional Chinese medicine, we consider that to be related to the liver or just detoxification. And I found that to be true in my case and pretty much everyone else's. Yeah, well, the eyes well. have a big, they've got a big connection with the liver. I don't know what it, you know, your eyes yellow with the liver. There's a lot of things that show up in the eyes. Oh, you know? yeah. I, I have a story about that actually. And this is a more significant one. I only saw this in this context, but this came up. I ran a, a kid's program in eczema probably in 2017 or 2018, which feels like quite a while ago. And I remember, and what we did in that program was there was a lot of really severe cases. 
And so what I remember seeing in those kids' history was that like many of them actually did have jaundice when they were born, which just means the liver wasn't clearing things very beautifully and they had yellow eyes and they grew out of it. Technically, You know, it just, things are not very mature as a child. And I thought that was really fascinating because the association I drew from that, which was, you know, not research-based, but just my experience from viewing their cases, the severity of their eczema and their story was that if they had jaundice, they had much more severe eczema later. So that was really fascinating. Right. That is I don't exactly seen. I occasionally see it in practice one-on-one here and there, but it's not like an end-all be-all type thing. It's just like yeah. sometimes the pieces just all fit together. The other thing that pops up a lot going one step back with inflammatory eczema is that very commonly a mom, if I just hear the story of the history, I mean, it's easy to talk about kids because they have a short lifespan, right? If they're only, you know, six months, five years, whatever, usually moms can remember, were they group B strep positives or were they on antibiotics before vaginal delivery? Did they also have gut issues? Pretty much invariably mom has some kind of issue as well. It's not anyone's fault. It's just life. And then, or there was some kind of antibiotics in birth. I had someone do something really smart recently And she called, they've lived in the same place forever, same town. And so they called the pharmacy because she thought she had not had her son on antibiotics, but she called the pharmacy and asked for a listing of how often he was on it. And he was on it. uh, I think he was on antibiotics 12 times and he was eight years old. And so she thought, oh, I would not have expected that if I had not seen it in front of me because we are, as humans, we're we're historians. Really good tip because I asked that for all my, I asked, what's your antibiotic history? And you might not remember. That's a great tip to call the pharmacy. Yeah. I mean, we can't remember what we ate yesterday. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. So we might not remember it. Why would we remember that? Right. Like we can like generally kind of remember, but once you add more children and life, life, yeah. How are you supposed to keep Well, and then strength? going for your, using your dandelion metaphor, you know, you take antibiotics, you're more likely to have later on, you're going to have a weedier lawn, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So it's you're just like- way more many dandelions sending out their endotoxins after you've gone on a round of antibiotics, which puts you at higher risk for that inflammatory gut mediated. Yeah. So eczema. when you use antibiotics, it kills the grass and the weeds and the weeds grow back first. Yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of the situation we are in right now. And it's not always from antibiotics. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, you can throw tomatoes at me through the screen if you are like really hardcore into keto right now. I don't really care. But we know from that is that, and I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about whoever is listening. But when people tell me they uh, go keto and they feel really good, they just told me they had gut issues because they are not always, but very commonly. So you just starved all the good and bad bacteria, which in the short term feels good. We love instant gratification, but you also starved the the nutrients for the grass. And so eventually you're going to have a pore on, like it's not going to grow things very well regardless. And so like there's got to be some on and off of that probably. And so, you know, it's not just the antibiotics that can create that, that state of like desolate lawn that allows weeds to overgrow. And weeds are, weeds are opportunistic. They see an opening and they go. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not, it's, it could be anything. I mean, it, it, that, I think your weed analogy is, is a good way. For, I always explain it. I'm like the pH of your gut is what determines what lives there, right? And there's a lot of factors that affect the pH. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be diet, it could be antibiotics, it could be your stress mm-hmm. levels, it could be hormones, it could be your thyroid. I mean, it could be a bunch of different things, other medications, yeah. not just antibiotics. A million things are going to affect, just like if we're talking about a lawn, you know, there's a lot of things that affect whether your glass, is there enough sunlight? Is there enough, you know, is there too much weather? Whatever, is there stuff out there? So there's a lot of different things that can affect that pH and affect whether or not you're going to have weeds overgrowing or the good grass, mm-hmm. right? And so the 
what we're ultimately trying to do is get the pH right or get the lawn food right so that just the grass is growing and very few weeds are growing. Yeah. This is why some of us aren't very good at growing grass. It's like a lot of inputs. Yeah. <laughs> and I just mean that like as I literally look at my brown lawn outs. I mean, it is still March, but it's just, yes. you know, it's partially the chickens. It's tough. Well, there's a lot of things you got to take, you know, mm-hmm. to keep a good lawn healthy. There's a lot of care that has yeah, to go into there's a lot it. of care. And for sure. It's a good way to say yeah. it. So, so we talked about first side of eggs that they got or the inflammatory gut meeting type, the second type. What do you call it? What did you call the second type? I called it environmental type because it helps people kind of think about versus the organ. It kind of helps you think of like gotcha. things that'll kind of fill that bucket a little bit, the environmental pieces. And from skin perspective, you'll see like okay. products and right. things in the environment making a bigger effect. Got it. Yeah. So I okay. had that kind. And the third kind is stress mediated. I have like a quiz about this and it's actually kind of hard for people to get stress as the top one. And I had some woman tell me the other day, she said I was, I rated 38% stress and 31% the environmental and the inflammatory. So what that means is like you have all of them, but the first layer is the stress that needs to be addressed. And there's so many things that stress does to rob us of like our ability to heal and our resilience and the nutrients and all those pieces. And how I see that present on the skin is sometimes it's the first time they've ever seen eczema in their entire life as an adult. Every single time it's on their hands, it's stress. I picked that up from a mentor in the micronutrient space. And then I started observing everyone, all of these people, and like 100% that was the case. And so what will happen sometimes is people will have eczema in other places, and then finally it will show up on their hands as like the last place sometimes. Uh, I do think also the last couple of years with probably overuse of hand sanitizer and disrupting our topical scrobiata with that alcohol sanitizer has not helped probably. And so that could be a little bit of a, a factor. So every our skin should have this nice phospholipid layer that's naturally antimicrobial. But when we add all that alcohol, it disrupts it. So then we allow that opportunistic. I mean, it's literally like the it's like antibiotics on the hands. Yeah. Yeah. It allows that staph to overgrow and, and create colonies and, and create some issues there. And so I always think it is good to, if you can get your skin, if it looks pretty ragged or if it's kind of inflamed, oozing, et cetera, it's really good to go get that cultured for staff for sure. It's really hard to resolve things from the inside when the outside is so broken down and compromised. So that's why like the biggest problem with addressing eczema is that there are several pieces technically. We can over we can always oversimplify anything, but there are several pieces. We want it to be easy and simple. We want a cream to take care of it. And hopefully sometimes creams will be helpful and protect that skin barrier and help people. But often if that topical barrier is like crazy inflamed and broken, it's like a two-part job. It's an external and an internal job. So it's literally twice as much work than Crohn's disease. <laughs> You know, or something like that. I feel that way. Well, Crohn's is a little bit of a difficult thing to treat. I like IBD so much, but I I agree with you. And that's like my kind of like funny note is that like, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So if you've got something internal, it's internal for the most part, right? But this is like topical and internal. So it needs, you need the barrier healed in both places technically. So yeah, skin grows from the inside out. So stress would be the last one. And that one is like so frustrating, difficult, and especially when it's on your hands because it's painful. And so stress comes from a lot of places and pain is such a overlooked version. If you have any kind of pain, your body's going to read that as stress as well. And so if you're having pain on your hands and like you're moving them and it's really distracting you and you're rearranging your entire day around it, it's really hard to relieve your stress as well. So what we're doing is trying to fill in the gaps created by that and then heal the skin barrier as quickly as possible, you know, topically and then support it internally. So 
Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of like expectation management initially and then like as aggressive as possible <laughs> internally and externally and then to get also it, being realistic. Yeah, so yeah, to get the results as fast as well, possible. Well, right. You just want to What I down. think is so cool, and we chatted about this a little off air, is that eczema tends to be sometimes the thing that makes you pay attention that something's not right in your body, right? Like as you said, for clearly me. with Crohn's, what do you say? for me. It happened for you. Happened yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't know. You don't really, a lot of times you may not have digestive symptoms. You may not know that the lining of your small intestine is compromised until it shows up as eczema, right? You might not know that your body's not absorbing things or that you've got tons of dandelions floating around in like the lawn of your GI tract. So, you know, an, an eczema, again, like we said, I, I called it like the gateway syndrome. It usually is the thing that sometimes brings people into someone like you or I, mm-hmm. where they're like, hey, I've got this going on. And then it's like, oh, wait, we've got a whole of other issues we've got to work with. I think what sometimes can be frustrating and sometimes people get upset is that if eczema is your only system or symptom usually, and that's the only thing that's wrong, I think that usually heals quickly. If there's a lot of other things going on, like if you have eczema because there's major inflammatory problems and there's dysbiosis and there's maybe some sort of underlying infection, it might be the last thing to heal, which is super frustrating because it's the only thing you can see sometimes, yeah. right? Like, and that, and I, that can be tricky. You know, I'm so skeptical if someone tells me that that's their only symptom. I think that they're in for a rude awakening if that's what they believe and think that it's their only symptom. And I mean that just in this nice, loving way, because if you think that's your only issue and that you have no other issues, I think that your eyes are half closed to some other issues as well. And so I would just throw that out there. I think it's good for us. I think sometimes we haven't cataloged yet. I always say like, if someone would ask me, what can I do first? I think that it's good to just write down your history because sometimes it points things out to you that you didn't even realize were going on. Like if I think about my history, well, of course I had issues that I was not accepting were issues, right? Of course there are all of those symptoms of stress and, and some common ones could be a headache or it could be an eye twitch, right? And I remember having eye twitches a couple of years ago and being really annoyed just because of knowing what you know, you're like, WTF. Like, why am I deficient in that? But I wasn't recognizing that jumping from appointment to appointment to appointment, you know, my excitement, my love for it, you know, my, my body was still reading it and dumping nutrients. And so there's many little layers and levels on like addressing that. I mean, I know you talk a lot about stress. And so I think unrealized stress is our most toxic version of it. Not knowing yeah. that my body is reading it as this way, even if I don't think that I'm stressed. And so, well, and it, you just said that, you know, that maybe the eczema is the only thing that they're aware is a problem. Sometimes people don't realize how crappy they feel until they start to feel better. And they're like, wow, I can't believe I was going through every yeah. day with a headache, being fatigued, not sleeping that, you know, like, because you've been doing it so long, you start to think that it's normal. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking eczema is my only symptom and you're not thinking something's wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with you. You just might not realize that you could actually be feeling better than you already are. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think sometimes yeah. when I get people, when they ask, they take my questionnaire and they're like, wow. I didn't actually like thought about how much I'm sleeping or I only have a bowel movement every three days. Or sometimes we're just so busy with life dealing with stress that we don't even stop to think about what's going on in our bodies. And I think eczema sometimes is the thing that brings attention to be like, oh, I'm going to go see this doctor. Now I'm actually going to think about, yeah, wait, I do get a headache every day. Or yeah, wait, like I only go to the bathroom every couple of days or I have all these other, like you just might not even realize that it's an issue because you weren't paying attention to it. 
Yeah. And a diagnosis is different than a symptom. So we've been describing eczema as a symptom and it's technically a diagnosis. And so if we don't have a bunch of other diagnosis and we've been told that we're healthy, then that's fine. So I always, I think the best assessment tool is something kind of objective and black and white to point out that some symptoms that might be common are not normal. And so I usually recommend someone Google an MSQ or a multiple symptom questionnaire because it allows them to like assess, oh, do I have this throat clearing or do I have this nasal congestion after consuming food or beverage or whatever? It allows you kind of see that there are some other symptoms that maybe you've been having for so long. You didn't even know it was an issue until it was, you know, you don't know what you don't know for all of us. And so I never blame a provider for not knowing things. And and you said that eczema is what brings us to integrative medicine sometimes. And I think we have to think about the way people arrived at that too. It's because you went in for support and you got a steroid cream and steroid creams are meant to be short term. And after that, there isn't much for a tool. There's a few things. There might be some antimicrobe. There might be like an antibiotic compounded cream with steroid. That's actually, a, you know, probably one of the better interventions for some people. And then after that, it can be a heavy duty biologic that's an immune suppressant that's multiple thousands of dollars per month. And I think that's the wake up call that are like, OMG, I'm going to go from a steroid and like just suppressing this little thing to this thing where you want me to check my liver enzymes every week or month. Like that's a dramatic shift. And so, yeah, it's an underserved, it's a bummer. It's a real bummer because it's so prevalent, right? In kiddos, I think it's a 20% prevalence. And then in adults, oh gosh, is it three or 10%? I'm not sure if it's three or 10%. I can't remember right now, but it's still pretty common. Everyone knows someone with a skin issue. Everyone does. Yeah, it's pretty common. So this has been a lot, a lot of good information. Where, I'm assuming you work with people all over the country? Yeah, we work with people all over the country. So I know you've got a podcast as well. So where can people, they can go listen to your show. Where's the best place for people to find you? Yeah, I love when people come to the podcast first. I think that that's a beautiful place. And if... I don't know what you're calling this. If, since we talked a lot about eczema, there are a lot of eczema episodes on the Less Stressed Life podcast. Awesome. And so stress is just our synonym for inflammation of all types. And so you can go to lessstresslife.com and there's a few places in there. We actually have like a button that goes to some curated lists like for eczema, for hormone health, for different things. So that's my favorite place for people to find me. Otherwise, if you're on Instagram, I'm at anti-inflammatory nutritionist over there as well. Awesome. Super cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Hope everyone enjoyed it and see you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.